Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks for Steelers. And they've got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Spillane with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. is now in continuing on this wild wednesday edition oh yeah non-stop sports talk coming right at four o'clock as you know westgate on friday come on out see the show live yes marco d'angelo in the house jay schrader having a lot of fun of course our best bet segment as we have each and every week our three best nfl plays hey we only got four left coming up this weekend that's it four Mm, divisional round of playoffs. We continue analyzing that. Appreciate Steve Berline joining us last hour. Heidi Fang is going to join us this hour. We'll talk some Raiders, some UFC, a little bit of everything. You know it'll go off the rails. More nonsense because it is a wild Wednesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Wherever you get your podcast, hey, go find the show there. If you miss anything, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Our featured interview up there on the website as well, too, on the homepage with Steve Tasker, the former Buffalo Bill great. Yes, uh, Steve Tasker in the Bills Wall of Fame. 12 years with the Bills, seven-time All-Pro, wide receiver, special teamer, great guy, and really kind of took us behind the scenes about DeMar Hamlin and where he is at with his rehabilitation. And as Steve Tasker said yesterday, DeMar has been around the facility looking great, joyful. He was there again today. So last three days, DeMar Hamlin is uh, there, and everyone's asking me, well, is he going to come back and play? And Well, obviously not this year, but... I, I say yes. Yeah, next year he's he'll be ready for training camp. Is there a chance if they make the Super Bowl, he comes out one snap, like first snap he just comes out and they just purposely take the knee? Wouldn't rule it out. You Seriously, yeah, absolutely. I would not rule that out. And yeah. and then would that give him opportunity to become MVP? Ooh, no, 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 no. That does he plays and he plays. That's that's how no. you that's how they, you know they, it's they all scripted. Yeah, no, yeah. This isn't wrestling. Okay, there you go. See where your head is at. That's that's where you go. See where the last hour was? Uh yeah, last hour. And this hour could be the same way. Because our good friend Trevor Madge is waiting in the wings. You know, he's 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 slapping his head, he's getting ready to come on. I, I just wonder in with Trevor is back in Bristol, Connecticut before he goes on to ESPN if he, you know, does that. If he's like, you know, if he's got fantasy on by Earth, Wind, and Fire, or he's like, you know, slapping his head like his helmet or whatever, or if he's like putting on extra makeup or what, what that walk is into studio, whatever, 29 there in Bristol, Connecticut. Only he could tell us the one and only Trevor Maddich. What is up, my man? Oh, no, TC, it's walking music is back in black by ACDC. <laughs> and. Alarm this one off. Hang on this one second. Hold on. Time! There it is. I told you. That's okay. There you go. It fits right into the show today. No no worries, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, here we go. It's just so extreme that I get all the analysts together right before we go on the air. We do an Oklahoma drill. (laughs) 
That, that, that's why we're often bruised up and we're bleeding and we're missing teeth and stuff like that because 30 seconds before we go on the air, we're smashing each other off set. The Oklahoma Great. drill, mano a mano. There it is, man. Hey, a lot of teams have outlawed the Oklahoma drill, right? You don't see that. And tell us, Trevor, why they call it the Oklahoma drill. Is that Bud Wilkinson's uh, creation or what? Yeah, no idea. Uh, no, no earthly idea why they call it that. Uh, although, universally, at least up until, you know, when I played, uh, if the coaches wanted you to switch sides of the field, they would always say Riverside. There might not be a river within 100 miles of you, but there's a Riverside, and everybody knows that means we switch sides of the field. So there's all kinds of stuff. You know, we always say, we, yeah, we're going to watch film. And now they say we're going to watch tape. Yeah. Nobody watches film or tape now. They watch yes. video files. Exactly. But they still say I'm going to watch tape. I know. See, I love this because I say that every time to myself. Like, come on, man. There is no more film. There is no more tape. And they keep saying it over and over. I love that. All right. So while we're talking about all this, okay, so the Mike linebacker, okay, why is it Mike? And why is it Sam? Okay, I understand oh, strong easy. side. I mean, middle linebacker. I mean, why Mike and why Sam? Well, because, yeah, when they draw it up there, they put an M for the middle linebacker, right. S for the strong side linebacker, W for the weak side linebacker. But weak side linebacker is too many syllables, right? Right. So they could name Will. it Wilberforce. Yeah. But, you know, maybe Will is short for Wilberforce. You know, Sam could be anything with seven syllables. But, you know, defensive players tend to be a little more in need of simplification than offensive players, shall we say. And so I'm sure they just use the, the shortest one-syllable words that are the easiest to spell as possible so they can identify those guys. The funny thing is, though, uh, you know, like the free safety, a lot of teams will call Frank, right? The strong safety, they'll call Stan. And it kind of gets a little bit silly. It's like you've got the, the Brady Bunch here, and you're trying to remember all the names. I mean, everybody knows uh, Peter, Jan, Marsha. Bobby, Greg. All. Yeah, yeah. You got them all, Bobby Gregg. Yeah. Okay, so I can't name all the all the Brady kids. I can't name them Marcia, all. Marsha, we named uh, them all. We just hit all six. Okay, good for you. You got me. But see, that means that means that you don't need to play defense. CC. They could have put you on offense because you can memorize those things. On defense, they've got to give everybody a name and then learn it. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled program with Trevor Maddich. Yes. <laughs> All right, my friend, most intriguing playoff matchup for you this weekend. Who is it? Intriguing. Well, what intrigues you? Yeah, what what intrigues me is Cincinnati-Buffalo. Mm, okay. Because Buffalo, you know, I picked them last week to cover as two touchdown favorites. I figured that they would finally be able to be counted on to play up to their capability. But that game where they beat Miami by a field goal as two touchdown favorites, kind of solidified to me that this year Buffalo has to be the most mentally soft team in, in my recent memory. Certainly they will, they, they win their games, but they only have, uh, they're about 50, 50, I think against the spread. So straight up, they're fantastic against the spread. They're average, completely average. They constantly play down to the level of their competition. And Miami, with the injuries that they've got, especially a quarterback playing their third-string, seventh-round quarterback, Skylar Thompson, they still managed to allow Miami to come within three points of them. And part of that was because all-universe quarterback for the Bills, Josh Allen, had three turnovers that led to 17 points, including a strip-sack, fumble, scoop-and-score. That kept Miami in the game. Now, of all people in that game who should not have kept Miami in it, it shouldn't have been all all world universe stupendous 
uh, Josh Allen, the quarterback. And then you look at Josh Allen and realize that he is, he leads all quarterbacks in the NFL with turnovers. So I thought they'd get over that in the playoff game, because if there's any time for them to play up to their potential, it's now with everything on the line, but nope, they didn't do it. If they do that against Cincinnati, Cincinnati has got the horses on both sides of the ball, actually, but especially on offense to burn them severely. Buffalo has to play at their highest level, and they don't seem to be in the habit of playing at their highest level, even their best players. So that that game intrigues me because in some ways, you know, Buffalo should really not run away with it, but they should win fairly comfortably. But I don't trust them anymore to show up. I really don't. You know, we talked to a... Steve Tasker yesterday, and you probably know Steve. And yes. again, you know, a great player. You know, back in his day, and you know, worked with CBS, and you know, still works with the Bills right now. And he gave us the number yesterday that you know, because I asked him basically the same thing. Like, okay, you know, Josh Allen was bad. I mean, how much should we read into that? And he said that the Buffalo Bills are twenty nine and five in their last thirty four games. And they basically felt like they lost last week. And they rarely have bad back-to-back performances like that. And and that's what I was kind of thinking, the same thing. And the reason why I picked Dallas, and I like Dallas the other night over Tampa Bay, Trevor, is because I went back and I looked at Dallas coming off a loss. Not only did they win their games after a loss, but they smoked their opponent after a loss. And that's exactly what happened on Monday night when they faced you know Tampa Bay. And again, I thought advantageous you know matchup for the Cowboys. I kind of think that way with Buffalo too. That okay, we they think like you said that they can like turn it on and turn it off, whatever they want. Kansas City's the exact same thing. Kansas City's been horrible covering against the number, but they do enough to win these games. And I just think you know now uh, facing a Cincinnati team that they know that even though they only played a, a few series three weeks ago when Demar Hamlin got injured, but Cincinnati came out and and, and drove the ball you know right down their throat. I think Buffalo is going to be ready to play. Uh, they're at home here, and I really am concerned about that Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. And I'm I'm just kind of having a flashback, thinking, hey, maybe we go back to last year where remember Burrow got sacked nine times in one playoff game and seven in another, and that sort of thing. So I, I think that Buffalo does not give that kind of performance that we saw last week. That hey, they're they're going to be ready to roll. Yeah, you would think, and you're right about that. I mean, the latest injury on the Cincinnati offensive line is left tackle Jonah Williams. He left the game with a knee injury uh, last week, and uh, apparently he hasn't been practicing. So yeah, there's we'll another see if that's precautionary. Right? Or, yeah. yeah, no, there, there's others too. I mean, yeah. their, their offensive line is banged up. On the other side of the ball, you got Greg Rousseau rushing the passer, and that's a, a solid defensive front with, with maybe the best group of linebackers in the NFL. I mean, they're outstanding at linebacker the Bills are with Tremaine Edmonds and, you know, the, 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 the guys they can put out there. Milano's so fantastic, too. I mean, what, what are yeah, you, this guy's having? Yeah. Exactly. But they're also banged up in the secondary. I mean, I mean, DeMar Hamlin, of course, won't be available. They've got another couple of guys that haven't been practicing, another guy that's practicing a little bit. He's back now. I mean, they've got, they're banged up a little in the secondary, and I don't know to what degree the Bills secondary will be uh, hampered. Maybe everybody is, is out because of precautionary reasons, and they'll come back and they'll be fine. But if they're not, it'll be interesting to see how that goes because you've got that banged-up Cincinnati offensive line, but you've also got a Bills defense whose best pass rusher hasn't been available for a while. That's Von Miller. He's out with injury. So, you know, does that balance out very much? Who gets the edge on that one? 
uh, it, you know, kind of hard to say. Right now, I'm still trying to get my brain wrapped around those matchups. All right, Buffalo, a five point favorite. Trevor, I, I know you're going to you know ponder a little bit before you turn in your picks, you know, on Friday morning for our best bets. But uh, let's talk about these games. We'll start with the one we just analyzed: Buffalo five over Cincy. Which way are you leaning? Right now, my lean is Cincinnati because I think that the the healthy receivers of Cincinnati with Joe Burrow throwing to him, knowing he's not going to have much time, uh, I think there's potential for big plays, especially with yards after the catch, with guys maybe a, maybe a half a step behind Jamar Chase and some of those other Bengals receivers than they would be if they were fully healthy. Remember that last year when Burrow led the Bengals all the way to the, the Super Bowl, their offensive line was worse than it was this year. And by the way, even with Jonah Williams and the other guys that are banged up, the, the line's better than it was last year, but it's still not great shakes, even when it's healthy. Talking about Cincinnati now. But the but last year, they were just abysmal. They were horrendously bad. And Burrow was able to get the ball out quickly and still be able to distribute the playmakers well enough to win the AFC Championship. So right now, my lean would be to take the points for Cincinnati. But again, I'm still still working my, my way to that. All right. So how are you on the lean? I mean, do you, do you fall over sometimes on the lean? Or you got good balance or what? Yeah, I get phone calls all all the time from uh, Caltech and their meter or uh, their uh, <laughs> geological department. You know how when your your alarm goes off because you forget to turn it off before you walk into the garage, yeah, and yeah. they give you a call, make sure everything's okay. That happens with me a lot. I'll lean so much I fall down, and then I get a call from California. Hey, was that you falling down, or is there an earthquake out there? So you know the although really you know um, you really you know uh, the way you and Marco have been rolling. The last few weeks, you know, I got to be asking you how you lean. I lean to Buffalo. I do. I, again, I'm, I'm a big proponent, Trevor, of it's so difficult to, to go back to back, not only just to win the Super Bowl, that to get back and represent your conference. And I just, I see too many gaps on that offensive line. And I think Buffalo gets it done. I really do. I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be surprised to me if Buffalo wins by at least a touchdown and maybe even more. And I think that we've got some short lines here as far as the favorites. And, and I'm going to take Buffalo and lay the five here. I think this is, this is their game. And I'm not even too worried about it because, Really, when I think about it, Joe Burrow is the, the only threat that kind of concerns me. And you bring up a great point about the Bills secondary. But you know what doesn't scare me? The running game. They have just abandoned the running game with Joe Mixon over the last few weeks. We go back to, you know, that last regular season game. I mean, he had 55 yards. They didn't have much, much more than that, uh, last week as well, too. So I think it's Buffalo, man. I'm, just, I'm saying it's go, go, Buffalo. Yeah, but what do you think? I mean, do you see a trend in the underdogs? From the wild card round, I mean, you got underdogs either covering or winning outright. You've got the Cowboys with Tampa, Miami with Buffalo, the Not Giants. With, I, I think a lot of these parties you know, come to an end. I, I do, and, and, that, and I want and I want to transition to the next game there. And I think that happens with Kansas City and Jacksonville too. I think it's intriguing. I think it's interesting. I think Doug Peterson's done a fantastic job with the Jaguars. But again, a rested Kansas City team. And hey, we, we talk about it every year, whether it's during the course of the regular season or whether it's Kansas City, you know, having the first week off of bye. We know what Andy Reid's like. And that, there's, there's a lot to that. I mean, he's fantastic and the Chiefs are fantastic off of buys. This is kind of a high line. Uh, but I think Kansas City will be ready for Jacksonville. Tell me how you see this one. Yeah, I, I would lean Chiefs as well here. Uh, and really, I mean, you talk about the offense, of course, has been lights out even. Uh, without Tyreek Hill, uh, a receiver, traded him off to Miami. But to me, the defense has done just enough for Kansas City. But one thing really stands out, and that's Chris Jones' defensive tackle. 
he has been, I don't know if it's even been quiet. You know, he, he's been a, a wrecking ball against opposing passing attacks. He, he has the most pass rush wins of any defensive tackle in the NFL. He's, he's like 26 or 27 more pass rush wins than the second place guy. And when you can get an individual defensive tackle disrupting from the middle at that kind of a rate, it changes what the offense has to do. And so I, I, I still don't trust Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's had a lot of fantastic games this year. Certainly last week he had a fantastic second half, but in the first half he threw four interceptions. And I think in the Super Bowl era, that's only happened twice before, ever. And they still came back. And they still won that game. So they're, they're riding high with confidence. But at the same time, Trevor Lawrence still threw those four picks in the first half. Right. Right. Absolutely. And you know, the Kansas City has had plenty of time to work on, okay, why? What bothered him? How can we duplicate what bothered him? What will they do to, to respond to what bothered him that we could then anticipate and take advantage of that? And as good as Trevor Lawrence has the potential to be, I, I just think there's a, enormous quarterback advantage for Kansas City in terms of being able to rely on the guy for fourth four quarters. Hmm. He is Trevor Maddich, ESPN's college football guru. And again, hey, 12 years in the NFL. The guy it knows what he's talking about on this side as well, too, in the NFL. Let's talk Giants and Eagles. Another matchup between these two NFC East teams. Phillies won both of the matchups. The last one, uh, you know, really didn't mean too much, uh, especially, you know, for Philly. Uh, they still ended up winning the game and, and the Giants put a, put in their backups, but the Giants were very, very impressive on the road in Minnesota. I say this, Trevor, about that game is that it was a perfect matchup. Just kind of like I, what I thought it was a, a perfect matchup. Um, you know, last week, for the 49ers against Seattle. I, I think that the Eagles against uh, uh, the, the Giants was, is, is, is a perfect matchup for the Eagles here as well, too. I just thought that, that the Giants had Minnesota's number. Uh, it was a little revenge game for them. The Vikings have not been playing well. So I, I, I'm not really putting too much stock or credence into that. Kind of the way I didn't put too, too much into the Dallas game beating Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay was so, you know, banged up and their offensive line has been dismal. So I think a good spot for these teams because we look at matchups here. And I thought that was a great matchup for the Giants last week. I'm not sure, so sure it's a great matchup for the Giants this week. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you on that one with one caveat, and that is what will the Eagles do with quarterback Jalen Hurts? You know, the expectation is he'll be back to play this week. Uh, he's got um, an injury to his throwing shoulder that, that kept him out for multiple games. And he has been a big part of their rushing attack. I mean, the, the Giants and Eagles played twice this year, but only one time were both starting quarterbacks on the field against each other. And the Eagles doubled up the Giants on the points. I mean, the Eagles just absolutely crushed the Giants. They held Giants running back Saquon Barkley to 28 yards rushing. And, you know, it was just, it was just a, a great day for Philly, horrible day for New York. Um, but the Giants are better now. The Giants are playing better. I mean, Daniel Jones, a quarterback, has really found a groove. They figured out how to use him, uh, which means use his legs a lot intentionally, have him take off running from the pocket earlier than he normally would, uh, have called quarterback runs for him. And I think the reason they started doing that initially this season was that when he won the starting job, they figured, well, gee, we, we didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so he's probably going to be gone next year anyway. We might as well pound him. So what if we, we, we wear him out and pound him down? 
But it turned out that the whole offense changed when they did that. Jones changed when they did that. And Coach Brian Dable, the, the first-year head coach of the Giants, really saw how to use him. And his passing improved tremendously. I mean, he, he was the leading rusher for New York against the uh, Vikings, but he also threw for 301 yards against the Vikings. And so Jones is a different quarterback now than, than the one that faced the Eagles the first time around. And Dexter Lawrence inside a defensive tackle for the Giants has been just a wrecking ball, a wrecking ball. Now, the Eagles are better, but I think when you've got individual players, what Jones can do on offense along with Saquon Barkley, especially as a receiver out of the backfield, and when you've got Dexter Lawrence leading a defense that's playing much, much better. I mean, the last four weeks they've given up around 320 yards per game um, pretty consistently. In other words, they've done really well compared to being pretty abysmal and getting burned on all those blitzes earlier in the season. You know, to me, you combine that with the fact that usually division games in the NFC East are, are low-scoring affairs, uh, and it seems like this game will be different than the one they played in the regular season when both quarterbacks started. I can see this one being a whole lot closer, and the Giants might have a chance to even win. This goes back now to what I started to begin with, with um, Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. Will they run him a lot? Will they say, okay, he's going to play from the pocket now, and he won't, we're not going to run him because we don't want him to get that shoulder hurt and have it become worse? What will they do there? You know, I think if he can stay healthy and run a lot, then the Eagles should win this thing fairly comfortably. But if they try to turn him into a pocket passer who hasn't played for a, for a while, for multiple games, and limit his rushing, then I think the Giants have a good chance to keep this thing close. You're right. I mean, the Giants have, have played great, and the Eagles have not, you know, played really well. I'd say, you know, two of the last three games where they, they had those two losses to Dallas and the Saints. Uh, we don't know how good Jalen Hurts is, you know, health wise. He does have the shoulder injury, like you say. And I think there's a lot of people out there that think, okay, they remember that, that matchup where Philly, you know, won by 26 points or whatever it was, right? They just drilled him like, like you mentioned. But the Giants, you know, with Wink Martindale, their defensive corner, he can maybe cause some problems for some teams. You're right. Daniel Jones, uh, has been rock solid, especially as a runner. When we saw him, what, you know, take off with 16 times as a runner in that game last week against Minnesota. But, you know, for me, it just seems like he's going to be facing a little bit, you know, tougher defense in Philadelphia than Minnesota last week. And I don't know, Trevor, it just seems like when we get to this round, you know, we kind of, everyone remembers the last thing that their eyes saw and they're going to remember what Dallas did and what the Giants did and what Jacksonville did. And, you know, especially with that big comeback in the second half. But you're right. Like when you talk about Trevor Lawrence and well, what about the four picks, you know, and now he's going against Kansas City and Andy Reid and, and they're going to have a game plan. I, I got to believe that Philly's going to have a game plan, you know, for the Giants and, you know, certain teams, you can just kind of see their run coming to an end. I just kind of get that feeling with the Giants. Yeah, and I get the feeling that the Giants will have to pass the ball successfully to have a chance here because the, I think that the Eagles rely on their secondary. This is one of the best secondaries in the NFL, and they know they got to keep Daniel Jones in the pocket. He's at his most dangerous when he can extend plays, and so they'll probably slow down the pass rush a little bit, but it's still a very, very effective pass rush. I think ultimately, because of how good the Eagles' defense is against the pass, because they will try to limit the running of Daniel Jones, to me, it's going to be for the Giants all about can Saquon Barkley run the ball well enough to be able to keep the chains moving with the Eagles understanding that that's what they're going to have to do. Um, now, if I'm the Giants, I counter with 
not just trying to run the ball with him, but making sure he gets his touches in the passing game. Because if they're not able to blast their way through the Eagles' front seven, they can still get Barkley the ball with swing passes, wheel routes, option routes, all kinds of different ways to bypass the front seven and get him into a little bit more space against a smaller guy. All right. The lean here? The lean here is Eagles. All right. They're just better than the Giants top to bottom in every way. And my, my, my doubt is with the health and the way that they use Jalen Hurts, the quarterback. But even with that, I'm leaning Eagles. All right. Finally, uh, the last game on Sunday, we've got the Cowboys and the Niners. A lot of people think, hey, this is a low number if you like the 49ers. And why do you think the number is only four, Trevor? Is it the Brock Purdy factor that people are still thinking, okay, this guy's a rookie, um, advantageous, you know, opener against uh, Seattle, but now they're getting this Cowboy defense, and a lot of people are remembering what they saw with their eyes Monday night on how disruptive they were to Tom Brady and the Bucks' offense, Sarah. Yeah, overall, for the course of the season, the Cowboys' defense, in terms of yards allowed, points allowed, uh, interceptions, things like that, are, are in the top tier of the NFL, uh, although down the stretch, they've struggled. And so, you know, teams are different down the stretch than they are early for the course of the entire season because of injuries and all kinds of different, different reasons. But when you look at what the Giants did, or excuse me, the Cowboys did on Monday night against Tom Brady and those Buccaneers, it was magnificent. Magnificent. I mean, they were all over Brady. Uh, Brady was not able to get anything going at all. And he knew he was going to have to get the ball out pretty quickly. But at the same time, you know, on grass, the pass rush of Dallas this year has struggled. Uh, and on that game, Monday night on grass at Tampa, it was, it looked like they were playing in the dome. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. And the other thing that people saw was the offense. I mean, the, the Tampa Bay defense was in its best position really all year to take on the Cowboys offense, mostly because the secondary was healthy and they had guys back and they didn't. Dak Prescott was utterly magnificent. A rating that we use a lot is QBR, quarterback rating, which is different from passer rating because it takes into account not just your throwing, but your throwing in situations. In other words, if, if it's third and, and 10 and you throw for nine yards, your passer rating goes up, your QBR goes down because you didn't convert it, right? It also takes into account running and, and all kinds of things. Um, it's a better comprehensive view of, of how a quarterback's doing. 100 is perfect, 50 is average. Dak was like 96 in that playoff game last week. He was magnificent. And maybe part of the reason the line is so low is because, you know, the the public saw how fantastic the Cowboys were on both sides of the ball, and they think maybe that, that Dak now is ready to fulfill the promise that they've had for years ever since they drafted him. Where's the lean, my man? Lean is San Francisco. Yeah? Yeah, because... The Giants, or excuse me, the Cowboys still have the issues that, that that we talked about going into last week's game. You were right to pick the Cowboys to win that. I was wrong. I thought that Brady would be able to exploit them, but the Cowboys just overwhelmed those expectations and overwhelmed the matchups that I thought would favor Tampa Bay. But San Francisco is is a different, you know, a different animal with weapons all over the place. And if if the Cowboys want to focus on um, on pass rush and they want to go get after. Um, you know, Brock Purdy, then good luck because Purdy has so many outlets to get the ball to who can do a lot of damage after the catch. First thing they got to do is stop George Kittle at tight end. So we'll see about that. But then there's a whole array of other guys that they got to worry about. And the 49ers have one of the most physical offensive lines in the game. 
in addition to that, including, you know, Trent Williams is a future Hall of Famer at left tackle, for goodness sake. So they, they, they've got a better ability to protect the quarterback. And then they put up a graphic last Monday that I thought was fascinating. They said that in the regular season, teams that played San Francisco were 0-15 the following week. Right. Yeah. In other words, every time, yeah. So they, they, every team that played San Francisco lost every time the next week yeah. that they played. And, you know, so, I mean, that being that physical and that, you know, that, that's a different kind of opponent than what the Cowboys faced against Tampa Bay. Mm, that's true. Well, it doesn't apply anymore because Seattle's done now. So, but you're right. We've been talking about that during, I think we noticed it after like 11 weeks and this thing held up all the way through. I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, I love it. He says San Francisco is a, is a, is a different animal. It is so true. They could get you on both sides of the ball. Uh, what kind of animal, Trevor? Okay, you have a cowboy on the other side. What kind of animal would this 49er team be? I mean, I, I'm trying to picture this, okay? Because you're so good at the graphics and the descriptions and the emotion here. Uh, give me the animal. Break it down. It's not an animal. Okay. It's a cowboy. Yeah. Oddly enough. Right. The 49ers are the Rip Wheeler of the NFL. <laughs> okay. But I and thought you I thought you would be giving us some cougar or something to just take off you know, to do to, to just dissect this cowboy and you know leaping off the horse or something. I thought you were gonna give us an actual animal that the 49ers are, are gonna be against these cowboys, you know, dressed in white. Now Rip Wheeler, uh the hero of Yellowstone. And if you don't know who that is or what that's about, he's the only man in the world that could be a match for Beth Dutton. And if you don't know what that means... Is that Kevin Costner? Is there a Kevin Costner really re- reference it. in there? Uh, who, re- who? Is that a Kevin Costner reference? You Yellowstone, right? Yeah, Yellowstone, man. Uh, Rip Wheeler is, uh, is, is his main lieutenant, and Beth Dutton is his daughter. And I'm telling you what. Uh, Beth is, uh, is more than a match for most full NFL teams that I've ever been around. <laughs> okay. In other words, you could line up an entire NFL offense and have Beth Dutton, the only defender on the other side of the ball, and it would be a fair fight, right? And, uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't say, and Rip is, is her, is her husband. I would say that, uh, I wouldn't, I, w- I don't know what animal the 49ers would be. I know that they would be Rip Wheeler if they were actually cowboys. Uh, but if I were to pick an animal, I'd probably say a Cape Buffalo. Okay. How about how about Debo know, Samuel? I mean, I'd like to say a cheetah, but he's bigger than a cheetah, but he's fast. But what's what's a fast, mean animal that just runs over people? I mean, a fast one. You got one of those for uh, Debo? Fast and mean? Yeah. Uh, I would say the Ghost in the Darkness from yeah. uh, <laughs> from the, from the movie uh, Two Lions that that ate all these people and they made a whole movie about trying to get them. <laughs> you could tell. It is the off-season for Trevor Manich. It's college football season's <laughs> over. Trevor, we'll let you go watch more television now. All right? We'll let you. Uh, I know you, you want to get right back into that TV. You got the popcorn going. You got the remote control. And then you're going to be glued in front of the TV Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but in, in the commercials, I'll be watching uh, repeats of Yellowstone. There you go, my man. My man. That's it. Because I tell you, Trevor, I can't handle any more of Lily and that Cam turning that board, that, that stupid Coke Zero thing. And if I hear that Burger King commercial and that song one more time, I'm going to lose it because I can't turn the channel because the Sunday Direct TV package, I can always go to another game. These standalone games are forcing me to go with the commercial, Trevors. I whopper, can't handle whopper, it. Whopper, whopper, no. Whopper. Whopper, Stop whopper, it! Whopper. <laughs> Ding fries are done. You you need to learn to appreciate our sponsors. That's <laughs> true. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Uh, we don't talk to you on Friday. We'll be looking for your picks. Trevor Manich's picks will be up on the website with the best bets. We'll unload those on Friday, and we'll talk to you next week, my man.
<laughs> there he is. My man, Trevor Maddich. My man, Steve Burline. My girl, Heidi Fang. Coming up next. More of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me big. T.C. Martin. Of course, you are a character. Doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. And you thought it was Halloween at first, didn't you? You really did! But that can only mean one thing. Not all guests get their own theme song. But this wild, wacky broad does. That's right. We've already set it up. We have no idea what she's doing, where she's at. But chaos will ensue in the next segment. Heidi Fang! The Las Vegas Review Journal's very own content creator, provider... Uh, I don't know. I mean, she has so many titles. What's up, girl? Hey, how you doing, TC? Hey, I'm pretty good there. What is this, a little Rico's sister or something? Or uh, you coming out of a Bronx tale with Sonny? Uh, I don't what know do you, what, what the problem is here. <laughs> I was uh, talking to my friend. He's from Brooklyn. <laughs> we had a long conversation. Uh, I came on your show next, so that's the thing. That that that's the thing. All right, that's pretty good. Uh, you know, it's uh, Brooklyn. You know, you you having a little dinner over there? What do you having? A little pasta? What do you what do you got? You got oh, a vino? I wish I was in Brooklyn right now. Oh, I'd have a chicken parm. <laughs> I'd have some gabagoo. Cannoli. Cannoli. Gotta have the cannolis, girl. Got them. A cannoli. A and a spumoni. That's what spumoni. my friend used to call it. He never said cannoli. He said cannoli. Cannoli. There you go. And then, and then I'd have, uh, oh, what would I have this is in Brooklyn right now? I think I'd have to have some pastrami from somewhere. And, uh,. Uh, then we go to Queens to go to the Greek place and get some spanakopita because it's not the same out here. That sounded a little the X-rated the there pie. about thirty seconds ago. That almost sounded orgasmic. I mean, was what that when she I <laughs> get a pie with some nice peppers on it, and then uh, they didn't have the peppers. Oh, what would I? I'd get the white pie. The white pie. No sauce. <laughs> Just the white cheeses. <laughs> Oof. Ooh, the mozzarella. So the mozzarella. good. There you go. So yeah. good. All right. Uh, that uh, that uh, restaurant segment was brought to you by the one and only Heidi Fang. <laughs> I think we talked about tacos. <laughs> I know, right? You, we, you went all Italian on me. That's oh, good. I did. I did. But I, my friend is Italian. Right. And we were talking. And this is how we talk. Is so, it? like, we talked for like a good hour because, you know, some stuff happening back over in my other home. We had to talk <laughs> for a while. And just, after a while, you hear it and you know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You got a little, <laughs> you got a little Rosie O'Donnell in you right there. You know, that was a little Rosie, you know, or, or a little Rosie Perez. That's, that's what was going on there. Oh, 
Yeah, give me that. She's different, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so stupid, Billy. <laughs> That's it, Billy. Oh, I Billy. gotta get the higher pitch. When I say I'm thirsty, I don't mean I want a glass of water. <laughs> that boy. That's it. I, I don't me have the pitch. Rosie is just one of a kind. I love Rosie. Hey, I love her so, so much. I haven't seen Rosie. She was the original Fly Girl. Yeah. Oh, Fly Girl. Fly Girl. Yeah. Do you know that? She was the one choreographing J Lo. If there was no Rosie yeah. Perez, no one would know J Lo. That's that's a good point. That's great. So speaking yeah. of, spoke speaking of Rosie, uh, I hadn't seen her in a while, right, on TV or anything. And then all of a sudden, I am in love with Your Honor. Okay, are you familiar with Your Honor on Showtime? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched it. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, and this, I didn't watch this. Don't start yet. I didn't get to this one yet. Okay, so yeah, uh, episode one came out on Sunday. I actually watched it last night, and there's Rosie. Rosie's back. She's got a prominent role. It was like I've, mm-hmm. I, I was in a little bit different role for her, but I like it. You know, she's like an attorney. Pretty cool. But she, she I always you, wanted her to. You sound just like her, Heidi. Okay, you sounded just like her right there. <laughs> I always wanted her to call a boxing fight. Do you see her boxing tweets? Yes. Yeah. Oh no. You she, gotta follow her on Twitter for yeah. the combat sports. You're right. No, no. She's great uh, regarding the sweet science or, or anything of that matter. And she's a sports girl too. That's that's a love about. Yeah. It. Yeah. The girl after my heart. Yeah. I love Rosie Perez. If, you know, one of those things where you talk about the celebrity dinner. Who would you want? I would want to sit with Rosie. Oh, that'd be a six-hour dinner. I mean, yeah. yeah. I can, can you imagine what that's that my, content would be. That'd be outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could vibe me and her for real. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, you get a little bit of downtime. The Raiders season's over. You're at that facility like 18 days a week. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Game days. You're there early. You're tailgating. You're eating. You're trying to uh, get the press box food. Then you're down in the field. Then you're in some box. And then you're in the locker room That's, afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, be you honest. are summing it about. Uh, but I, you forgot the part where afterwards I'm doing the editing, the video, yeah. and putting it on the, the podcast. So that's okay. Because you, you on top of it, TC. You know exactly where, I, yeah. <laughs> where I am. What I do. You about summed it up. I know, I know. So you got to be kind of glad that the the season's over. I mean, you kind of no, no, really. I love the chaos. I live and thrive in it. That's true. I love football. That's true. That's true. Yeah. What are the chaos yeah. are you getting involved with right now? I know we got UFC. Oh, well, I right? so. Yeah, well, I didn't get back right to the UC right away. You know, they put me on assignment. So I went to the uh, UNLV press conference mm-hmm. about the new offensive coordinators and defense coordinator and special teams coordinator. Got to hear from Barry Odom a little bit. It was good. I, he's very, I like him. Me too. Like what he brings to the table, like just open personality to the point, all about business, focus, getting this team locked in. I think he's going to really bring something special to this team. I mean, the whole Bobby Petrino thing is a little bit like, oof, what happened there, right? And I'm yeah. sure, and he addressed it straight up. No, you know, cutting around corners, no right. trying to hide that it was it was a strange and odd situation. Just got straight to it. And I respect that. I respect a lot of how he broke that down and what he had to say. And then I went to Golden Knights today and, uh, you know, Mark Stone injured. Yeah. So... I had to go, uh, we heard from Marchie, another March soul, mm-hmm. heard about, you know, what, what this team needs to do to get back on the winning track after a couple of losses. So I'm all back locked in all over Las Vegas, 
scouring the sports scene. Everyone's like, oh, hey, you haven't showed up in a year. Right, right. I know. <laughs> I kind of get that, too, you know, getting back to Golden Knights games because, I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, with our schedules and everything, and the hockey season is so darn long, can't go to 41 home games. I remember the first year, I, I yeah. you know, with the playoffs, everything, I think I calculated, I think I missed four or five games uh, that whole, and it was you just and I were exhausting. In- you and I were in 2020 Purgatory, weren't we, in that weird corner up by that lounge? That was yeah, I remember a couple years Frank. afterwards. Yes, yeah. That, yeah. That, and that, <laughs> going to that, that, and to watch you trying to video, I mean, to shoot pictures <laughs> with your 1,000 magnifying lens, I mean, from upstairs, you know, 5,000 feet away on the fourth floor is ridiculous. I know. Yeah. I did get some quality shots of Flurry yeah. from there. Yeah, I really did. Wow, I bet back then. I bet, yeah. But so, yeah. I mean, I know what you're talking about. So now, hey, where you been? Well, we got this thing. We got football. We got basketball. You know, we got all this other stuff going Lacrosse, on. Lacrosse. So yeah. Well. Desert dog. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but it's great. We love it here. I mean, this is why we do what we do, right? Playing something. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Hell to the yeah. She says, Heidi Fang. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't even hold that one back. I thought, is this bad for radio? No, no, no. Weird? It's fine. It, it's it's only bad. When you're in church. Now, the question is, were you in church last Saturday or Sunday to go see Derek Carr? Because, again, you're like the Raiders roving reporter here. Derek Carr spoke at the church. And I don't know if he really dropped any, um, you know, riveting news or it was more just a, uh, you know, speaking, you know, to the power there. But uh, I know you covered it or wrote about it. Give us your take here. Yeah, so I'll start with this. There was a whole uh, men's prayer that's private for men, so I couldn't go to that. Um, <laughs> Wait, have they not they, met you before? You're one of the boys. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm laughing like that because that's what my friends say. They're that's just, my boy, Heidi. <laughs> H, that's H Fang. That's a fanger. They forget because of how we talk and right? you know, how we hang out. What? They just, you know, they what? don't hold back on their boy talk, you right. know, man talk, what? whatever. You wear a and bra? I, I didn't know you wore a bra. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Speaking of getting in trouble. So, anyway, go yeah, ahead. It's, it's funny. It's funny. Um, they always tell me, you know, stuff that, and then they, they sometimes they'll stop themselves and they go, Oh wait, I forgot, you know, and I was like, we've all been around each other 20 years. We know, you know, but, um, so anyhow, they had like a private thing where he spoke to just the men first, um, about, you know, where his head was at direction and things like that. Um, and then they had the open service. For everybody, um, I'm not exactly familiar. I'm sorry. I, I'll be completely honest. I'm just not 100 percent like the most ultra religious person in the world. Right. So I don't know exactly what the denomination is of the church. So here's the thing. But, okay, know, I, and hold me. Yeah. I'll tell you because you know. So you know, it, it's it's there is no denomination to it. So it is more of a. There are oh, some okay. people that that 
you know, and I don't want to criticize because everybody has their own religion. I have mine. That no, sort of everybody's thing. different. But, right. I'm fine. But a lot of people, yeah. but a lot of people call that like the popcorn church because it's it's just popcorn. Yeah, yeah. And well, because a lot of times you know they'll serve popcorn and then they'll they'll pass around the Kentucky Fried Chicken basket. You know, oh no the way! Bucket, that sort I think you're getting KSC in my yeah. basket. Yeah, right. So in a lot of these non-denominational churches, it's almost <laughs> like you know they're there to praise the Lord, which is great. But again, for like traditional Catholics or Lutherans or other people mm-hmm. like that, Seventh Day Adventists, I mean, they just say, "Oh, we don't know," because it's just very, it's very casual. It's very casual. So you're okay, okay yeah, it, with that. Yeah, yeah. So not knowing that, it, 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 a lot of times they don't even have like certain things. Like you know, with Catholicism, you have the homily, and then you know you have right. con- consecration and all that stuff. So yeah, so you're okay. Don't worry about it. So it's just that's, no, that's it's a free for all. Yeah. And so, like, my grandmother, at one point, she was a, a Sunday school teacher, and this was before I was even born. And so, like, she would say, like, if you're going to go to church, you do this. Is There was, like, a set amount of things that you had to do. And there, this was not like that at all. And then there was, like, the whole thing with um the, uh, uh, uh I'm forgetting what she's, oh, hats. This is, I went, I went in, I didn't go to the church. I was online, and I was doing the feed. Yeah. So, um. I was just running a feed to record it for the review journal, and I had permission from the church to do so, which was nice. But they um, they had um, like guys in there with hats, and so when you said the popcorn, that makes more sense to me now because I've never seen a church where people wore hats. I've been to a lot of different services with different friends for different things. Yeah, and I, I and just never seen people wearing hats in church. And I was like, what the yeah. heck? Yeah, no, it's so it, there's a lot of hats. It, it's more, <laughs> it's really more praise and worship than than anything. I, I think if, if you okay. want to try to sum it up there, I think that's what it okay. is. I haven't yeah. been, but I oh, mean, so you car, know, yeah. yeah. Back to yeah, car. What car say? Anything? Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he uh, first of all, is very motivational. And it's interesting when you see different sides of somebody. Because person that he is when he's at the podium inside the Raiders facility, I thought that he doesn't seem sure of himself, but it was like he's just Derek, mm-hmm. right? And just Derek Carr, he's the quarterback. And then you go and you see him in this kind of a setting, and he's a very, like, um, just commanding personality. And I never saw that at the podium, you know? And I wonder, too, like, what, what was he like really? Because we only got one year of full locker room access. So when we were in uh, Alameda at the headquarters there, because I covered the team as well, like I didn't have um, the access at that time because of the phase of my career to the locker room. I was just like a photographer. So when I was just doing photography, I the no cameras are allowed in the locker room. So you just don't go right, in. Right. And there was, I think, a couple occasions where I did, and like post-game we did, but it, depending on the, you know, how the game went, you get one kind of locker room when they lose, you get another when they win. Derek was always at the podium regardless. So yep. you never really saw him in the locker room. But like, it's just one of those things that you, you think about, like, what kind of person was he to all of these guys inside the locker room? Was he that super Derek or was he regular Derek or was he just like bro Derek? Like, But it was a good thing to see the other side of his personality and how he was talking about uh, what's next for him without hating his heart, you know, and saying that, you know, he thinks a lot of people like his brothers have spoken for him and that he was trying to get his own word out, which is that he just knows he needs to move on and take the last nine years, even though it was difficult for him going through that process and that he doesn't know what's next, that he said that he's just kind of um, not taking it as a, I forgot the exact words um, that he had, but in so many words, he's not upset in what he said. He said he's just accepting and not trying to be 
comfortable with this situation. He said comfortability is kind of like the enemy. And now he knows that he can't be comfortable in what he, his role was and that he's got to move on and uh, accept the different bumps that are going to happen along the road. So when you hear all of that broken down, it was really uh, kind of nice to to see how he's dealing with it. Everybody has their own process. If he needs, you know, Jesus, God, and to preach all about it, to for him to accept and harness and move on and know what he needs to do in his heart, then I'm all for that. But, you know, there's other people have different ways. Like some people go on ESPN and give an interview to Ian Rappaport, you know, but it's like <laughs> other guys want to do it on church. I, whatever works for you is my theory. That my, you know, but I, I think that he had a lot of good to say and that in his own kind of trying times that he's experiencing that with this group and his church that, it, you know, he feels comfortable with at this level. Cause that's, he grew up in a church. He always said like his grandfather, I think was a pastor. He's an ordained pastor as well. So it's uh, how I think he likes to feel through and work through his issues. And, you know, the fact that he put it out there for the public to hear was, I think, good as well for other people who needed that kind of closure. And he went to a Christian high school, too. You got to remember that. He went to Mm -hmm. that that type of, of, you know, know, school there. Um, Did he leave the door open at all, slightly open, that he could return? Negative. Okay. Okay. No, yeah. I don't get that at all. Yeah. I think if there's some crazy, crazy, serious situation. Now, remember, though, the money becomes guaranteed, right? After um, February 16th. It's going to be a trade. It's going to be a trade or in, and again, you know, or, or just wave him and cut him. And the Raiders are going to want yeah. to get something for him. And then he has the no mm-hmm. trade clause. So it's really not, you know, remember, he's still a member of the Raiders. I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah. He's still in the roster. Yeah. He's still a member and they're going to, you know, take their sweet time. And again, I don't see, you know, Derek Carr is not going to do them any favors if, if they you know trade him somewhere where he doesn't want to go. I mean, he, he he could veto that. So it'll be, I know he wants to be, he wants outright release. So it's going to be interesting to see. And you would think that there could come to a, to a common agreement here, you know, and uh, who are those conversations, you know, that he's got having, is it, is it with Mark Davis? Is it Dave Ziegler? Is it, is it um, Josh McDaniels? Is it all of them together? You know, but again, you know, McDaniels and Ziegler, they have no allegiance to Carr, you know, but, but, you know, there's a different relationship with Carr, I think in, in Mark. Yeah, I definitely think there are different relationships going on between the different levels, like you said. Um, I think with in what they're looking at now, the idea is just to get somebody in that knows the system that yeah. can get them to playoffs and ideally a win in the playoffs and ideally even more a Super Bowl, right? <laughs> so when you hear about the no trade clause, that's always an interesting thing because that gives Carr kind of full autonomy over how he directs and drives his ship to where he needs to go, what's next best for him. Um, and that was probably a smart thing by them to do that. But even if you get cut and the Raiders, I think, would get a dead cap hit of somewhere in the neighborhood of five to seven million. I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. I forgot about uh, the exact number, but I know it's right in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not too terrible of a hit. Uh, what they would do uh, with you know money wise and how it would affect the cap. So I, I feel like for the Raiders, the best case scenario, if you can't get any good value back for Carr and that you don't have somebody that's going to willingly inherit the hundred, you know, twenty plus million that remains on that contract, then you're going to have to think about, well, can we just you know part 
cut our ties and then move on. And I think they have a three-day window from the Super Bowl in which to do so um, after the Super Bowl. And then they can try to go uh, into the next phase of, you know, courting the next uh, quarterback, which a lot of people keep buzzing the name Tom Brady around. Jimmy Garoppolo is buzzing around. Why? Because they still have, con- you know, connection with yep. the system. Um, and I think that if you have, though, somebody like Lamar Jackson or the opportunity to get him or what happens with Aaron Rodgers, of course, I think Rodgers and Brady are both a little on the older side, so you'd only have you know, a couple of years maybe with them. Do they come? How does it work with their contract? You know, obviously Brady a free agent, but with Aaron Rodgers' case, it's different. So those are things where I think you really have to evaluate what the best option is for you out there. I'm sure a lot of people heard Tom Brady's speech after he played the Cowboys and didn't sound like he was really hanging around the Buccaneers. <laughs> right facility much longer he was like yeah i'm good peace <laughs> but, uh, after that that cowboys outing too for me it's like do these raiders really 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 want to invest in tom brady after seeing how he took hits after seeing the performance there were obviously some misreads on plays communication routes things like that but on the other hand there's also i think a lot of him kind of throwing it into the dirt, tossing it away. I know his offensive line isn't what it was and all of that. I get it. But at the same time, how much of that was just what he has left versus the scenario that he's in? You know what I mean? So it's like I'm trying to get a handle on what exactly he has left because there weren't a lot of games that he had with multiple touchdowns that he was throwing. And I get that his offensive line was decimated. But at the same time, you know, it's like if you're putting up all those passing yards – how you not equate it to touchdowns in the red zone? <laughs> She's Heidi Fang, catcher, Las Vegas She's got videos. She's got TikTok. You got TikTok going? Huh? You got TikTok going? Hey, now you're playing Los Tucanes de Tijuana. I have, but I never do anything with it. I'm kind of a voyeur until I figure it out. I right, got you. All I don't right. know what to post. What do I TikTok about? I Dancing to Los Tucanes de Tijuana? That would be good. Or, you know, uh, summarize the, the Raiders season with a, uh, a, a a lyric, a dance, a song. That's that's your TikTok. That's your TikTok breakout. There it is. Heidi Fang summarizes the Raiders season. There you go. <laughs> We're out of here, girl. We appreciate you taking the time and joining us. Uh, we will have to do more nonsense with you again very, very soon, okay? You got it. Ciao this was This was uninterrupted, too. Is that Outstanding. No kids, no no uh, security guards, well, here. patrons. I know. He's out there. I just got him a Mario track to keep racing on. <laughs> Goodbye, girl. We'll see you later. Bye, later. <laughs> Fang. I want to thank her, Steve Burline, Trevor Match, Miss Age Part of the Show. You know where to go. TCMartinShow.com.